Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. There's this great quote about technology in the early days always feeling like magic. That was it in a bottle was, I don't know how this order is going from somebody's device onto your platform through the air magically. I've never seen that in a restaurant, but hey, this is making my guests happy. It's making me more efficient as a restaurant operator. That feels like a win-win. And from there, it sort of snowballed. In an industry that hasn't changed much over the last hundred years, there's lots of opportunity for innovation. This is an industry that has traditionally, I think, been a little bit slow to adopt technology. It's also an industry that is known to be very manual. And so the role of software, a platform like Olo, is to help automate components of the restaurant experience to increase productivity, increase profitability, help restaurants run better, and at the same time, improve the guest experience, not damage the guest experience. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Sometimes we take for granted how rapidly restaurants have gone digital in the past few years, but it's actually been a vision 20 years in the making, and it all started with today's guest. Joining me on the show today is Noah Glass, founder and CEO of Olo. Olo is a leading commerce platform powering the restaurant industry's digital transformation. Over 600 of the most recognized restaurants and C-store brands use Olo to grow digital sales, pre-serve direct consumer relationships and maximize client profitability. More than 85 million users run their orders through the platform annually, and Olo is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, you guessed it, O-L-O. After attending Yale and spending some time abroad, Noah founded Olo at the age of 24. He established the company before the rise of the smartphone, starting out with a focus on text message ordering. Noah is now recognized as among the most influential leaders in the restaurant industry and was named number one on 2020's Nation Restaurant News Power List. Noah and I talked about Olo's inspirational story, the incredible impact the company has had on the restaurant industry, and the huge opportunities in the space going forward. Let's enter the arena with Noah Glass. Olo is driving the digital transformation of the $1 trillion U.S. restaurant industry. And we see ourselves really as the engine of hospitality. We're helping restaurants to operate more efficiently, to increase their productivity, and at the same time, to treat every guest like a regular and up-level the guest experience. So we're doing this now, as you mentioned, at the scale of 82,000 restaurants across 600 enterprise brands and with 85 million 
consumers who have used Olo to order at those brands over the past year. I'd love to backtrack and have you tell the story about kind of how you came up for the idea. I think uh, for audiences who aren't in the software space or the restaurant space, I think it'd be great to know because it's a real success story. Well, I started off working my second real job in the restaurant industry. And I think a lot of people have that sort of experience where restaurants cross their paths early in their careers. In my case, when I was 17 and had my first set of wheels, I got a job as a pizza delivery driver in my hometown of Newton, Massachusetts. And I didn't think that was going to be a formative experience going forward, but it really did teach me about takeout and delivery restaurant operations and really some of the inefficiencies and the low productivity of restaurant operations in this very manual industry that we know as the restaurant industry. Zooming forward a couple of years when I graduated from Yale and I was moving to New York City, and this was almost 20 years ago now, back in 2003, um, I came to New York City carrying a Palm Pilot personal digital assistant. And that was a very strange thing for a then 22-year-old to be carrying around, but I just became fascinated with this device, and I became specifically fascinated with an application on that device called Vindigo. And Vindigo connected you to a map that moved when you moved and showed you points of interest and a lot of restaurants around you and connected to Zagat reviews of those restaurants. And I just thought this was an amazing technology and application of the technology. And I could imagine forward to a moment in time where we all had devices that were personal devices in our hip pocket with us at all times that knew who we were and knew where we were and could then enable e-commerce to happen at brick and mortar retailers, specifically coffee shops and restaurants. And I scribbled out the first business plan for what became Olo in 2003 and it sort of sat in my mind for a while until I was working with Endeavor. That was what I was doing uh, in New York City. And I got stationed in Johannesburg, South Africa. And while I was there, saw smartphones really coming into being and met a number of mobile app developers and asked if we could put together a prototype of a very simple menu that you could access through WAP internet, wireless application protocol, very old, very clunky, rudimentary mobile web, and then submit an order and have that order appear on another monitor, uh, which was supposed to represent a point of sale system. And we put that application together and I showed it to an investor by the name of David Frankel. And he was someone who had been a very successful entrepreneur, largest ISP in South Africa, went to Harvard Business School and sort of used that experience to become an investor. And I said, you know, I'm really looking for advice. I'm, I'm into Harvard Business School. I'm heading there next year. But I've really just been captivated by this idea that I had a couple of years ago around mobile devices and being able to order ahead, pay ahead, and have a faster, better experience at restaurants. And at the same time, increase their throughput capacity. Here's how it works. And I showed him this very basic demo and David gave me this gift at that moment where he said, I don't know if this is a good idea or not really, but I believe in you. I know that you're incredibly tenacious and you'll find a way to make this work. If you believe in this idea enough to withdraw your admission to Harvard Business School and quit your job at Endeavor and pursue this full time, I'll give you half a million dollars to get you started. And that 
deal ultimately came together June 1st of 2005. David is still on the board today, and he's taken us from that seed stage up to now a publicly listed company supporting 82,000 restaurants, 600 enterprise restaurant brands, um, and really serving as the leading platform in this space, helping to digitize the restaurant industry writ large. Yeah, it's such a cool story, and it's uh, inspirational to a lot of entrepreneurs that might be listening, and certainly to everyone else. Noah, how did you get like the first customers to try this? Did you just like walk in and they're like, "Okay, who's this crazy guy?" You know, with WAP technology or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting story. Going from that prototype into actually commercializing this, the big realization that we had. I had moved back to New York City and was trying to walk around and talk to restaurants about this, we realized that nobody had access to WAP, really. I mean, people had feature phones back in 2005. It was under 5% of the population that had a smartphone. And at the time, these were not very smart smartphones. And so we had to work backwards and build a text message ordering version of Olo. So that meant that somebody had to do some work in advance. They had to create an account. They had to link their mobile phone to that account using a double opt-in text message, and then they had to link a credit card to that account. Then they had to go through and build up their favorite orders, and then we would send them a text message of their favorite orders from their favorite restaurants onto that phone, and they could reply to that message to place an order and pay with the card that was on file. So there was a lot of friction in those early days to get guests to embrace this and set up their accounts. But when we showed this to restaurateurs, when we showed this to guests, and people got to experience the value proposition of skipping the line, or the value proposition on the operator side of increasing throughput capacity, and seeing guests come back more frequently and spend more through the platform, we got rave reviews. And early guests were saying, this cuts out 10 minutes of my morning commute. I'm not waiting behind other people in line at the coffee shop or at the restaurant. We heard operators literally say, this is like magic. I mean, how, how does it work? I don't even understand the technology. And there's this you know, great quote about technology in the early days always feeling like magic. That was, that was it in a bottle was, I don't know how this order is going from somebody's device onto your platform through the air magically. I've never seen that in a restaurant, but hey, this is making my guests happy. It's making me more efficient as a restaurant operator. That feels like a win-win. And from there, it sort of snowballed. And the rest is history. Fast forward to today, what are really Olo's core solutions that you're selling into, into your client base? Well, the core of what we do is really what we call ordering, and that is being the direct-to-consumer ordering channel for the restaurant. So if you've ever ordered through the Shake Shack app or ordered through the Sweet Green app or ordered Wingstop for the big game, you're using the Olo ordering platform we're just sitting in the background and the brand has always built their direct-to-consumer application on top of our platform. That's the core of what we do. It's what we're known for in the industry. We then added delivery into the mix in 2016. We launched a platform called Dispatch, which is really delivery as a service. It's a utility that connects restaurants that don't have typically their own delivery drivers to a nationwide fleet of delivery service providers to fill that need of a guest wants to order from the brand. They don't want to go pick up the order. They want someone else to pick up on their behalf and then deliver it to them just in time. That's what Dispatch does. 
Uh, we also have a product module called Rails that syndicates menu content from the brand's own site out to third-party restaurant delivery marketplaces. So the brand is not just using Olo for its direct channels, but also indirect digital channels. I'd say going into the IPO, those were the three hero products for Olo, ordering, dispatch, and Rails. Since then, we've acquired a company called Wisely, and Wisely is, in our view, the foremost customer data platform specific to the restaurant vertical. In fact, because it's specific to the restaurant vertical, we no longer refer to it as a customer data platform, but as a guest data platform. It's connecting all of the ways in which guests engage with restaurant brands, ordering, of course, but also payments at the point of sale, surveys, reviews, third-party feedback that they're providing, wait list, reservations, all of these different touch points, they're pulling that together into a single view of the guest. And we think that ultimately helps restaurants get to clarity on guest lifetime value and identifying their most valuable guests and being able to score all of their guests across that dimension of guest lifetime value in a way that informs every element of their business. So that guest data platform has become a big component of Olo. And I think the last thing to highlight is Olo Pay. What Olo Pay is, it's embedding payments within our commerce platform, very similar to the way that Shopify did with ShopPay. And that's no accident. We took a lot of inspiration from ShopPay. The former CFO of Shopify, Russ Jones, is our audit committee chair and joined us ahead of our IPO. And it's been a big source of inspiration as really the executive sponsor of Shopify getting into payments. And then we did something in July of this year, which is to launch a, a capability of Olopay called Borderless. And what's important to understand about Borderless is that it really, for the first time, surfaces Olo as the conduit between the 82,000 restaurants and those 85 million guests. So instead of a guest having to create an account at each individual brand, they can create an account with Olo at the platform level and they can use that across all those brands that use the borderless component of Olopay. And that means that they can just have a much lower friction checkout experience, which leads to higher basket conversion rates. Good thing for the brand. It's a good thing for the guest. Again, that win-win of the equation is really the common thread through all of our capabilities. The one thing that strikes me is how much the restaurant industry has changed in the last 20 years since you started. I mean, I would imagine restaurants have no choice but to embrace technology to A, make them more efficient, but B, as a digital play to gather information about their customers to run the business better. That's right. I mean, this is an industry that has traditionally, I think, been a little bit slow to adopt technology. It's also an industry that is known to be very manual. It's an industry that is known to have low productivity from an economist's standpoint of sales per labor hour, if you will, relative to grocery, relative to C-store and petroleum. And so the role of software, a platform like Olo, is to help automate components of the restaurant experience to increase productivity, increase profitability, help restaurants run better. And it's our core belief at Olo that we can both do that and at the same time, improve the guest experience, not damage the guest experience. So we're able to do that through the data that you mentioned. It's really through collecting that data about the individual guest and having this pool of data about all of the guests 
such that we can do things like make better recommendations and say, Tom, based on what you got last time, and frankly, the last 20 times that you've been here, you probably would really like this other option because guests that look like you tend to really like this option. Making those kinds of better recommendations based on the data set that we're able to see, the collaborative filtering that we're able to do is really powerful. It helps to personalize the guest experience in a way that is going to show up in the form of, of greater adoption by guests of trial of different menu items and greater visit frequency and spend at the restaurants. Olo has already radically changed the restaurant business, but when it comes to the overall digital transformation of the industry, I wanted to know what ending of the game are we in? I feel like we're still just getting out of the dugout. I mean, we are wow. super early. If you look at what we define as our total addressable market, we see where we are today from a revenue scale standpoint being 1% of the total addressable market in our focused area of U.S. enterprise restaurants. We've been very focused over the years on U.S., not international, on enterprise, not SMB, on restaurants, not other verticals. But that's because this is a massive, massive market. So in terms of growth levers, we see adding more restaurant locations. We have a fourfold opportunity to grow there, touching more of the orders. Digital is at about 15% penetration of total industry sales. So there's a 6.25x opportunity there. And then more revenue per order. As we add Olo Pay into these transactions and we're serving as both the order processor and the payment processor without increasing cost to the restaurant and while being ROI positive for the restaurant, Olo's revenue contribution per order goes up 4x. So combining those things together, 4x times 6.25 times 4 is the 100x growth algorithm that we see. And then we have additional capabilities beyond that, but that's just the near-term focus of the company and what's driving every decision and everything that we do. A lot of the technology I have to think that you were working on or preparing for was accelerated during the pandemic. Now that we're kind of getting into a post-pandemic world, are companies still like kind of all in on technology? What's the mindset of, of your customers right now? This is a very difficult time for the restaurant industry for a whole set of non-COVID reasons. The labor scarcity and wage rates, commodity price increases, inflation, supply chain, occupancy costs. I mean, everything that goes into the cost side of the equation has gone way up. And the labor scarcity means they're operating shorthanded. So it's a very challenging time, a very challenging operating environment for restaurants. They just can't pass all of that cost along to the guests because of the inflationary concerns that the guests are feeling. So in that environment, it becomes incredibly important to get more productive, to be able to do more with less. And again, that's where we have always seen our platform helping restaurants, whether it's order taking, taking payment, reducing the number of have screens they need to pay attention to in the restaurant and consolidating everything into one single stream into their point of sale and into their kitchen, outsourcing delivery. All of these things are meant to help restaurants do more with less. And we're even seeing digital penetrate the in-restaurant environment. So we have 
part of, I think, what happened during COVID was a lot of guests became aware of digital ordering and came to really love it, not just for the safety, but for the convenience. And so things like QR code ordering, it's a great thing for the restaurant to help them do more with their reduced labor force and really focus on delivering hospitality and having conversations with the guests and making that human connection rather than just providing the service of taking the order and punching it into a point of sale system. So we think this is a moment in time where all of our solutions really resonate with both guests and restaurant operators. And at the brand level, we're hearing brands that we kind of never thought would be addressable saying, this is a time where we have to reevaluate all of our spending. Technology spending is one of those categories. And if we can go further faster by using a platform that is enterprise grade software as a service like Olo, and we can focus our time and attention on things that really differentiate us, but we can use Olo as our core, you know, that's going to help us go further faster. That's going to help us extend our digital budget beyond where we could have on our own. And so that, that level of engagement is really exciting for us as well. Maybe talk a little bit about your approach to innovation and R&D. And what I mean by that is not just dollars and cents, but the process of learning from your customers, what they like, what they don't like, the problems they're trying to address, and how you put that into action to deliver new services and solutions for them. Well, personally, I love sitting at the intersection of our customers and their problem set and our product team and our solution set. It's been an incredible thing to stand up, and this is now, I think, seven years ago or maybe even eight years ago, a product advisory council where we bring innovative thinkers from our restaurant customers together into a room and we talk to them about things that we're thinking about, needs that they have, ways in which Olo can help. And out of that group have come some of our best ideas, most path-breaking ideas, things like dispatch and putting together a nationwide network of delivery couriers, tapping into all the delivery service providers to create delivery as a service. That really came out of that product advisory council. Olopay came out of our product advisory council. And it's, it's fascinating to check in with that group, hear what's top of mind for them, build capabilities on behalf of that group, knowing that those are the early adopters and that over time, every one of our customers will benefit from those platform level innovations. I oftentimes joke with our, our product team, I, I'd say, you know, we would spend a huge amount of money willingly to bring this group together to share the insights that they do. And they do it for free because they're doing it out of the interest of pushing our platform forward and pushing the industry forward and their own businesses forward with this digital transformation journey in this industry. Talk about Olo's financial position right now in a time of uncertainty and how does that relate to maybe an acquisition philosophy for you? You've done a couple, they've been super value added. It's survival of the fittest. How does Olo fit into that narrative? Yeah, so I think when we went through, we went into the IPO, I was very proud of the fact that we, from a net burn perspective, had only spent $6 million in net burn to get to $122 million of ARR, annualized recurring revenue, and stacked up against the other 2021 software companies that IPO'd that year. I believe we were um, both the lowest burn and that highest ratio of ARR to burn. So we've always been 
really good stewards of capital and capital allocation and have tried to manage the business where we can both be a fast growth, high growth company and do so profitably and control our own destiny, having lived through times like 2008 and 2009 in our history. We, at the end of the second quarter, had about $460 million in cash and cash equivalents. Um, We are operating as a, a profitable business. We have been able to make two acquisitions to date, and we sit in a great position as a technology platform that has many partners that we have in our ecosystem. We now have over 300 restaurant technology companies that either Olo integrates to or that integrate into Olo. And it gives us this incredible vantage point of being able to see those solutions that are delivering a lot of value to our joint customers. But importantly, we're always going to remain an open platform. That is one of our philosophical positions that before Olo arrived in the scene, there were a lot of point of sale companies that operated as walled gardens, and that was stifling to innovation in the space. And we really, through our restaurant customers, were able to break through those walls and create an open platform. We believe that we can put together a great set of proprietary offerings, but we always want to be that open platform so that a restaurant can pick and choose their best of breed approach to building their digital stack. What I've heard today is a really long track record of execution and innovation. What is the work culture at Olo? How does that reflect your personality? What's kind of the vibe of the team and your aspirations and and what you're trying to do every day? Well, this is a group that is very driven and wants to make change to this massive industry over the long term. And I think everybody in this company is passionate about the problem space that we are focusing our time and talent on creating solutions for. We're passionate about restaurants. We're passionate about what restaurants represent in this economy. And I think one of the things that has been really moving for us, I'd even go as far as to call it a silver lining of COVID, was to see how mission critical Olo had become to our restaurant customers and to hear them reflect that back to us and say, hey, we would have been lights out, out of business if we didn't have Olo. You were our lifeline. Our guests were able to continue ordering. Our staff was able to stay employed. Thank you. I mean, that was really, really moving for us to hear. And when we gathered all of our customers together at our customer conference in April of this year, I mean, people were crying with gratitude of what Olo had meant for their company, for all of their stakeholders. And that is really meaningful to us. We talk a ton at Olo about doing well and doing good in parallel. And as I talked about our 100x opportunity to scale revenue, we also see that 100x opportunity to scale the impact that we have, the positive impact that we have on this industry and its stakeholders. I'm blown away when I think about At the scale of 82,000 restaurants, there's something like 1.5 million restaurant employees who work for those restaurants. And the idea that we were able to sustain those restaurants and sustain those jobs is incredibly moving and a, a great sense of purpose and motivation to me personally, and I know everybody at Olo. When you sit down with investors, when you're in those situations, what do you think investors sometimes miss about Olo and the opportunity? 
I think the biggest thing that was true at our IPO roadshow and remains true 18 months later is that investors conflate digital and digital ordering with delivery. And it is about far more than delivery. In fact, if you look at the mix of digital orders, there are more non-delivery digital orders than there are delivery digital orders. It's about takeout. It's about on-premise. It's about the drive-through inevitably shifting from manual to digital over time. We believe that we are going to be able to touch every transaction in enterprise restaurants through every service model, takeout, delivery, on-premise and dine-in and drive-through. And we're on a path to doing that and proving that out. We have examples like brands like Nando's that we were working with at the beginning of the year just for takeout and delivery, now implementing Olo on-premise. And the number of orders that we touch increased sixfold. And then we added OloPay into the mix, and that's a 4x multiplier, and that multiplied our revenue fourfold on top of the sixfold increase in orders. So now versus the beginning of the year, that brand on a per location basis is worth 24 times more in revenue than it was. And that is the kind of case study that we seek to replicate and that we think is adding value to the to the brand and the operators, improving the guest experience, and materializing in the form of really realizing Olo's revenue potential from an ARPU perspective. And I think um, we're going to see more of that in the future and are excited for that future, which is not just delivery, but all service models transitioning over to digital. With a huge total addressable market in a space that keeps evolving, Olo's platform is table stakes for the restaurant industry. Not only that, but the positive impact they've had throughout the industry during a vulnerable time cannot be overstated. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, Subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Noah Glass for joining me on the show today. The story of Olo, from its visionary origins to the millions of users on their platform today, is really inspiring, and they're just getting started. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.